This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning. So hit the subscribe button, consider sharing this episode with your team, and let's join Brandon Stewart for another vital conversation for all of us who lead from the middle. Second, welcome back to the podcast. It's season four. It's going to be a great episode today. So glad you're here. Uh, My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And like many of you, I serve at my local church. I just want to get it right for my pastor and uh, build God's kingdom where he's planted me. And in fact, that's what drew me to Leading Second in the first place. It's a community of uncommon church builders, and and people thought like me and were able to encourage me, and I, I found community. So I just want to encourage you, dig in, and there's a couple ways you can do that. Uh, first, if you're on Facebook, there is a group called Leading Second Collective. I want to encourage you to go on there. There's great discussion happening. There's people just like you trying to uh, lead well in their church. And there's also exclusive content. So if you want some exclusives, go to the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. And of course, you can follow us at Leading Second on Instagram. And in fact, that's a great way to reach out to us. If, if you've got questions or want to say hi, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. And in fact, our listener question came through Instagram. They reached out to us. And so we got them on the podcast and Brandon sits down take some time to answer this question from a listener just like you. Let's jump in. All right. Well, I'm talking today uh, with Anthony from Raleigh, North Carolina. Say what's up to everybody, Anthony. How's it going, guys? Hey, uh, so good to meet you and uh, love what God's doing in your life. We got to meet on a phone call um, a bit ago, a couple years ago, and you've recently had some transition in your life and you're newly married. You you are a married man. Yes, I am, baby. <laughs> it's incredible, man. I love uh, love what God's doing. Uh, tell us, I guess, a little bit about you and, and what you do at your church. Yeah, so I like I like Brandon just said, I just moved from New York to North Carolina. I got married a couple months ago and just started a new position as a youth director at Crossroads Church in Benson, North Carolina, 30 minutes south of Raleigh. And so, yeah, I've been love it. hanging out with students weekly, and it's just been amazing to see what God's been doing in this area. I love it, Anthony. Uh, you had a great question that you sent in. Why don't you share that with everybody? Yeah, and so... Um, as I've been transitioned into this new um, role and just to oversee what's going on, um, um, I definitely want this church to grow and to be um, the biggest it can be and reach the most people it can. And so I definitely um, want to make sure that as the, an organization um, that the church can grow. And so I would love to know how to just kind of handle conversations with making sure people are on the right seat in the bus and just so that the structure can grow um, so that we can grow and reach more people for Christ. And so, um, and I just got, yeah, kind of want to know how to we handle that conversation with a lead pastor and someone who's in charge. So 
Yeah, that's great. I thought it was a really good question and a position I know um, a lot of us will find ourselves in a lot of times. And what's interesting too is you're new on the team and even have you know some invitation to uh, speak into those things as you've as you've mentioned to me before. Whenever it comes to leading up, I guess the first thing I would say to you or anyone that finds themselves in that position is you want to, in some ways, wait for the ball to come to you. Stephen Covey teaches a principle, it's, it's ancient now, um, called the circle of concern versus the circle of influence. I'm not sure if you would have, would have heard of that. Your, your circle of concern are uh, things that matter to you, things that bother you, things that you see that you'd like to make a difference in your circle of influence are things that you can actually do something about the things that you actually have pull in the organization to maybe make changes on the challenge with, with most of us, including especially uh, new team members is your circle of concern is often much bigger than your circle of influence. And the challenge falls uh, into situations where um, the things that you see fall outside of your influence, but inside of your concern and navigating those moments are, are, are really, really tough and you got to get it right. So I, in some ways I would really caution young leaders, especially to a little bit, wait for the ball to come to you. In other words, wait to be asked, wait, wait for the question, be prepared. I I've often thought of answers to questions for years in advance of being asked with, you know, by my pastor, but that doesn't mean just because I have the answer, I need to share it, you know, in that moment. So I say be, be prepared and, and watch and listen, but, but a little bit wait for the ball to come to you. Last thing I'd say to you, Anthony is there are moments where you can ask to speak into something or you can exercise, you know, the, maybe the, the open door that you've been given. I guess what I would say, first of all, is, is make sure that in those moments you come with a heart of honor toward your pastor, first of all, and what they have built. Your pastor has built something that you did not. Uh, They were there sacrificing, pioneering when you were not there. Uh, So have a deep, deep well of honor in your heart toward your pastor, toward the team and their sacrifice and what they've built. I would also say number two, come with humility, like come realizing your ideas may not be the best ideas. Um, I often will, will, will present things like, like, Hey pastor, here's, here's a wrestle I'm having, or here's a, here's a thought I'm having that I'm still processing, but let me offer this to you. Just coming with, uh, with a real sense of humility, especially when you're younger, age is working against you in, in those moments. And so humility will be your strength. I think the third thing I would say, too, is come willing to be part of the solution. No pastor needs needs um, armchair quarterbacks, you know, you know, guys that are that, that, that are sitting from a distance, you know, shouting at the TV, making the observations, but unwilling to get in the game and be on the field. And so I think being willing to, like, be part of the solution, like I'm willing to help make this happen in any way that you need me to. I just think that'll help you in those moments. The last thing I would say to you really fast, Anthony, and this is just a little bit of wisdom for anyone in their first year of a new role like you are, a little bit of wisdom is this, don't make too many changes in your first year. I know you want to get early wins. I know you want to hit some short-term goals. Honestly, 
the most important thing in your first year is make relational investments. Let, let everybody who follows you fall in love with you, build up equity with your pastor and play the long game in time. You're going to really be able to help the church move forward in a significant way. Just don't rush it. Be, be quick to listen, slow to speak. So good. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we met <laughs> and so glad that even on Instagram, finding you guys leading second nation, so much wisdom, so much value. Thank you. For today's interview, we have the privilege of welcoming Brad Lominick to the podcast. He's the author of H3 Leadership, and he comes packed with decades of leadership experience. And Brandon gets to sit down with him, ask him a lot of great questions that lead to really great discussion. So without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Brad Lominick. Well, hey, my friend, so good to be talking with you today. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. Thanks for joining us for a few minutes today. Um, I'm honored to be on, man. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward to hopefully adding value. If there's one thing that somebody walks away with, it's a win. Absolutely. We're, we're going for one for one. Good. One thing. Uh, have to just say, I, I, I so respect you and, and the, the years that you have into to leading and equipping leaders in the church. You've impacted my life. Um, uh, what you've done in ministry and, and all that has impacted me over the years. Your book, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about today has impacted me. So just a big thank you to you. This is an honor to, to um, have you on. And I'm just looking forward to taking some of that wisdom. I feel like I've gleaned from you and sharing it with, with our audience today. I guess maybe just get us started and tell us a little bit about you and kind of what you've been up to the last, last season. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Cause all of us as leaders, you know, you look back and you hope at some point you, you, you made an impact. I mean, that's the goal is that you want to add value to people. And so I learned that from John Maxwell and, you know, to your question of what season are you in or a little bit about me? I mean, most people would know uh, if they do know who I am, then they would either have read the book H3 leadership, or they probably went to a catalyst event at some point. And so those two things are the driving public relations arm of anything that Brad Lominick is part of, uh, the last five years, you know, I, I led Catalyst and was part of it from the beginning. There was a bunch of us involved in the early days, which is a lesson, by the way. Uh, John Maxwell handed us a, we were all in our 20s, and he handed us the opportunity to build something that we wanted to, to create for ourselves and for our friends. And he gave us the opportunity to say, hey, go, go, go try it out. You know, we were, we were helping put on conferences and events for John, and which was great, but we just said, we want to do something for our buddies and our friends and our, our mm. generation. And, and he gave us a lot of room. And even Brandon, a couple of years in, John said, Hey, listen, if, if you don't need me to be involved anymore, I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the ability and the permission to kick me out. And it was such a freeing thing for somebody who is, you know, owning the organization, running the organization from the top, started it, but him saying, listen, I understand, like, if, if I don't connect and you don't really, you know, need me there, I'm good. I'm content to not have to be still the one that shows up. And so 10 years into my journey of leading Catalyst, I stepped out and because John modeled it for me. I mean, he, you know, when I turned 40, 
Um, this was 2014. Uh, when I turned 40, it was like, I'm that guy now that we were all kind of making fun of <laughs> in the early days. And so it's time for me to get out of the way and let somebody else jump in. And so for the last six years, I've been uh, way more, I would say, behind the scenes. I've been advising organizations. You know, I've been more gathering the tens who actually gather the thousands, whereas yep. before I was gathering the thousands. Um, and I've, I've really been in the shadows in a, in a very strategic way. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just be, I would say a connector and an advisor within the kingdom. And I've got a number of things that I'm involved with. And, um, I, you know, I'm still writing and speaking and trying to be a voice. I, I gather a lot of young leaders now, so I'm much more intentional with curating and, and putting together smaller groups of leaders, not because I don't love the big arena event, Right. But I just think in this season, I've got more opportunity to, to, like I said, to gather the gatherers, you know, to influence the influencers, to, to be connected to the, to the folks who are then going to be able to go out and like, um, have an incredible impact and pass me go way past where I am. So that's the season that, that I'm loving and currently in. Yeah. I, I love that. By the way, I don't know if you know, I turned 40 in December. So I, I'm, I'm with you in the, in the, in the forties with like the old people talking today, you know, club. Uh, and, but, uh, a year and a half ago I was in Israel and that was actually something I felt God really impressed on my heart one morning when I was out walking and maybe it was cause I was about ready to get be old, you know, it is, is I felt God literally tell me to don't worry about big obsess with effective like, like obsessed with being effective. And I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but how Jesus ministry in Capernaum geographically was not a big area. It was not, it was, it was a small little town of, you know, rural area, but it was effective. It, it, it was, it was effective in terms of its positioning and people traveling through. And, and I, I, I resonate as what I'm saying is I resonate deeply with what you're saying and feel like um, we're in a season where that really matters for the local church. Totally does. And, you know, to be faithful with what's in front of you to, right. to, to own each season of assignment as the most important that's, that's ever been, you know, placed in your hands. And we don't have to go from, we don't have to go from, from big to bigger. That, that's a, that's a, that's a lie. That's a, that's something cultivated from culture. Yep. Um, we do have to go from, I think, strength to strength. And we have to go to places where only, we, that we're the best person for that particular season in that role. But it doesn't mean, you know, when I left Catalyst of gathering thousands and then started hanging out with tens that I went to the JV team. No, no. Yeah. It doesn't mean that at all, but people would sort of act like that way. You know, they would come up and, 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 you know, sort of like in a cute way, like tap me on the shoulder and go, Brad, are you, are you good? Are you okay? <laughs> and what they're saying is, is what happened? Like, why would you ever give this up? This is like the, you know, this is the Everest. This is the top of the mountain in the Christian leadership world. I'm like, well, maybe, but you know, it, this, this is the problem today is there's so many leaders that end up getting stuck there at the top and then nobody else can come up and see the view compared to, you know what, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go somewhere else and climb another mountain. I've got, right. I've got other mountains to climb that may not be as big. Right. I love it. I love your heart for you. You've already honestly 
fired me up for the whole day. So uh, I love it. Hey, let me ask you this. Cause so let's even maybe rewind the tape a little bit. Um, because now you're an advisor, you've led organizations before, but this is the leading second podcast. So let's, let's, let's go back to a season where you maybe led from the middle or you were part of your team. Uh, tell us about that season and maybe a lesson you feel like you learned, uh, leading in the middle in those days. Well, there, there were several, I mean, you know, even during my days with John Maxwell, with Enjoy, that mm. was a that was a leading from the middle. I mean, I, I led Catalyst, but I still had a boss. You know, I still was a, I still was accountable. So a few things that for me um, have really, I think, stood the test of time from leading from the middle. One is that um, I needed to be the best expression of the vision, and mm. whatever that vision is for your organization, um, you have to be the best expression of it. And, you know, the idea that you're a vision, you're a vision catcher when you're in the middle, but you're also a vision um, recaster. And you're, you're, you have to like, and what you can't do is you can't recast the vision in such a way that now you're changing it or snatching it and making it your own. And then all of a sudden there's these silos that start to form and there's clicks and there's a sense of we're, we're out against everybody. You know, we're going to, we're going to be the rebels inside the organization. Um, that's really dangerous. And we see tons of youth ministries or student ministries or college ministries that, that sort of go that direction. Um, and I learned it early on um, when I was just out of college and I was, you know, I was working at, at this guest ranch in Colorado and I, it was a family owned uh, for-profit $3 million guest ranch. And I was, I was the head wrangler. I was kind of the ranch foreman. And, you know, we were the guys riding horses and taking guests out. And, and we kind of had this arrogant, rebellious attitude as a crew. And I just remember the, the owner at the time, you know, sort of appropriately helping, helping me to be a better leader by saying, listen, if, if you start to become competition to other crews and you start to feel like that you guys are the most important piece of the vision and that you feel like you're you're now the, you know, the top of the food chain, that's, that's going to create a lot of animosity and it's going to create culture drift. It's going to create vision, um, leak. And so I just have always been really attentive to that. Um, and especially for those of us who are, who are ambitious as leaders, we want to go build our own thing. Mm, But if you're in the middle, you have an accountability and stewardship to say, if I can't get along and go with the vision that is being created from the top, I need to go somewhere else. Um, that's a huge one. The other one is that I think the idea of, of anticipating is so important yes. and that you can sort of finish the sentence of your, of your boss or your manager or your leader, your director. Um, and this is where you start to become really valuable. And yep. the idea that I can take things off their plate I can, I can find things to work on that I know need to get done. And that, that if, if, if they don't have to deal with that, I'm freeing them up to actually be a better expression of themselves as a leader. And the big point on that one is that when, when you're for your leader, when you actually want, want to see them win and they know it. And because you're anticipating now you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to remove all the obstacles in order Mm. for you to, again, for you to thrive as a leader, man, that is such a, that is such a honoring, but also like, um, credibility building role and posture you can take. And 
I mean, it, it's, it's the hack. It really is the hack. If, if you say, I want to get to the next level, if you'll just do that, um, you will get ahead. And compared to this, Brandon, you know, this is true. Like the, 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 the leader in the middle who walks into the meeting, the one-on-one with your boss and basically like fold your arms, sits back and says, um, I'm kind of bored right now. You're really not like challenging me much. So do you have anything I can work on? you know what you just did? You just added more to their plate. Yeah, totally. Compared to the other approach, which is, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention. And I noticed three or four things that, um, that needed to get done that were on your plate. And I went ahead and took care of them. Is that okay? That, that leader, unless they're just totally dysfunctional, they will look at you and go, thank you. You have just made my day. So there's, there you go. Couple. I I love it. I love it. It it was so funny. Brad, yesterday we had a meeting with, um, I guess kind of the board for team church, which is leading seconds, parent ministry. And, um, the meeting, the meeting got awkward for a minute, but by way of someone just said something funny and the whole meeting kind of disintegrated, you know, for a minute and laughing and, you know, we're we're already past time. And I I know my pastor hates going past time. Like I just, I just know him. So I, I kind of rein the meeting, you know, back in, I kind of feel like it's my job to rein, rein the whole thing back in. He starts laughing. He goes, he goes, Brandon, you just, you just literally looked exactly like me when you did that. He's like, you knew I, you knew I was, I was irritated, you know? (laughs) And and we we were laughing about it. He's like, he's like, ah, it's so nice. I don't got to be that guy anymore. You know, now, and, and that's a stupid little moment, but, but it's, it's really, it's, it's really been a, a goal of mine. And I'm glad you put some words to it that, that, um, every leader in the middle wants to be empowered, but I think the seeds of empowerment are first being able to anticipate and being able to see it proactively rather than waiting for, for your pastor to, you know, come off the mountain with the tablets of your new, you know, your new job description or something, you know, just, just anticipating needs for them to me is, is the seeds of great empowerment and, and opportunity. Ownership, you know, it's that idea that you're, you may not have the role or the position or the title or the salary or the corner office or whatever you want to consider, but you have to start acting like it way before you get there. And if you start acting like it and praying like it, Totally and dreaming like it and um, showing totally. up like it. And all of a sudden that changes the way you, because when you have empathy for your leader, everything changes when you see them yep. as not the threat, but you see, you see them as a partner, you see them and you're understanding them, you know, because reality is this too. Like they don't, they're not, they're not sitting around thinking about you. <laughs> they're just not, it's not that they don't care about you, but they've got plenty on their plate. hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, let's talk before we move on to what we were actually going to talk about today. But I, I could, I could probably sit on this vein with you all day. Um, let's talk about leading up for a second, because no doubt if you've served in the middle, you've, you've had to lead up and, uh, talk to us about a moment where maybe you feel like you had to, or, or, or something you learned about leading up to the person that you were responsible to. Yeah. Well, the, I'll go back again. I'll go back to, to, uh, you know, to, to this guest ranch in Colorado when I was 23, it was like, it was, it was basically a master's degree after college of, of learning how to lead. And there, there was, there was a a time when, um, my boss who was the owner of this place, um, you know, he would, 
I was not, I was not a expert at my role, meaning that, that, um, I needed, I needed help. Like I was put in charge of like 130 horses. I had to play cowboy. Like I had to be really proficient at, at a lot of things I had no clue about. And I got a little bitter occasionally in the early days of my role, because I felt like my boss wasn't, wasn't not just, it wasn't about empowerment, but, but my boss wasn't helping me to be, um, to set the standard of excellence in learning. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see a development plan for me to be the best ranch foreman in the world. And I just had that premise of, well, isn't that the job of the organization to Mm. set me up for success? And I quickly learned that, no, like I'm a leader. Therefore, my job is to lead myself. Therefore, if I'm going to lead up and I'm going to add value to my boss and to the organization, I have to be in charge of my own development. And what I learned at that point was don't ever wait on the organization to set your standard of excellence, whether it's, again, whether it's a culture, whether it's the employee handbook, whether it's the rules of engagement, whether it's your direct boss, whether it's a board, like, so, you know, here's my, here's my challenge or my encouragement to leaders in leading up is go burn the handbook, like Mm. go set the handbook on fire. And here's what I'm saying. Don't let the, 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 the manual you know, when you're supposed to show up, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to dress, wherever that handbook is that nobody's looked at since they got it the first day of their job. Don't let that be your level, your minimum amount required. Mm. You always want to raise your level above that. And don't wait on the organization to tell you what your, your standard is. So um, that means that you're a constant learner. That means that you are the one setting the tone for the the, the, the level of intensity you're going to have in, in getting better at your role. You're, you're going to go find the, the outlets for education. You're going to go find the person who is in the same role. So let's just say, again, you're a, you're, a, you're a student pastor or you're an assistant pastor or you're executive pastor. Go find an executive pastor who is like a few years ahead of you and maybe a few levels ahead of you hmm. and, and reach out to them and say, you don't know me. In fact, you probably don't even know my church, but I'd love to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to look at you and go, I don't, th- this is awesome. Like, I didn't even know you knew I existed. Um, but that's, that's when you get in the mindset of, of don't wait on your boss to set the standard of, of the kind of education you're going to get to be great at your role. Mm. Well said, my friend. Well said. And I, I, um, you know, to everyone out there who's listening to this, who is, who is leading from the middle, I pray that you're taking these words to heart. And I pray that, that God will just give you some wisdom to walk away from this conversation. I guess what what I'm feeling is, is for someone that was your takeaway, you know, for some, for someone listening, um, you know, your, your job description is not your minimum. I love that. I love that. Hey, I, what I wanted to talk with you about today, uh, just kind of for the heart of this conversation, I absolutely love your book, H3D Leadership. I, um, I remember when, when, when it came out, um, didn't know you, I loved the way you framed leadership. You gave us three big handles, be humble, stay hungry, and always hustle. And I just want you to know, I resonate with those. I love those members of our leading second team have said the same thing, read it on their own as well. Um, 
what was your inspiration for writing the book? Cause I have some things I want to, I want to pull out of that book today, but uh, where did the inspiration come from to even write that? It was the phrase I would use with interns at Catalyst over the years when they would show up the first day of their internship. And basically at some point, whoever the Brown noser was or the most ambitious would say, <laughs> Hey, what do I have to do to get ahead here? You know, like how do I get your job? That's what they're asking. And that was my response always was be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. And it, it was a, it was a, it was a mantra before it was a book title. And that was, that was, I didn't have it in my early years, but over time, you know, probably in my mid thirties, it really started to resonate in terms of just using that language. And, um, you know, everybody likes to use humble and hungry. Like we've seen that a lot of places on t-shirts or on billboards or on the, you know, the wall in the workout room of the college football program. <laughs> the hustle part was a little like, huh? You know, I mean, hustle has been in vogue. It's actually over vogue the last couple of years, yeah. but it was in vogue when the book came out. And um, a lot of Christians though, they were like hustle, really, Brad, what do you mean? And the, the power of hustle as a believer is that it's as much about margin and rhythm and Sabbath and rest as it is about redlining and working hard and working your guts out. So that's the difference. And it's also, you know, when you put kingdom mindset or, or God language or being a follower of Jesus around hustle, hustle becomes about other people. When, when yes. you're hustling on behalf of others, that's, that's proper kingdom ambition. So there, that's where, you know, people don't, if they don't know what they don't know about hustle, um, they have to dig in a little bit and then they start to see, oh, this is what that means. And then it starts to make sense. So um, humble is really like, you know, the, the, the element of who you are. Hungry is, is where you're headed and, and sort of the, the lifelong learner. And then hustle is the, is the outward expression of how you're going to get there. I love it. And I think it gave me some great handles when I read it. What I wanted to ask you about today would just be a couple habits. Like what, what would some habits of a healthy leader look like moving forward? Obviously your book, and it's a great book. It has some timeless elements to it, but we're in a season right now that is really, really, really unique. And, and I'd love to mine for some gold out of it for this season now today. And I think the first question I have for you, Brad, is about the leader who might be listening to this today, who's feeling like things are recalibrating in their life. They could even be feeling burned out. They could be feeling tired or weary. You know, we all thought this was going to be done by last Easter. And then here we are getting ready to plan another Easter in this season, you know, that we're in. And, and, um, but I love, as you say in the introduction, I love that the book came out of a season for you of recalibrating and needing to, needing to, move forward from your own season of burnout. So I guess, what would you say to that leader who's, who's wanting to recalibrate and needing to recalibrate in this season? Well, it's hard. And, you know, again, give yourself grace because none of us have ever led through a pandemic that also had racial tension and a political landscape that was unsettling and lots of other issues going on. You know, um, I, I would say a couple of things. One is, um, You've, you've got to be centered. The idea of, of being grounded spiritually and starting to put some habits back in place. And for example, so this is for me what, what 
um, what I've done in the last year, more than any other year probably, is I went, I went, I went back powerfully to, to daily scripture. So I doubled down on scripture memory and on scripture reading. And I also went back to like walking or running um, and also habit stacking around like prayer. And those two things were, were life-giving because there was so much margin and, and a sense of like, I think when things get, when things get chaotic, we have to be, we have to double down on finding ways to get back to the things that you're rooted in. I'm laughing as you're, as you're talking, because in this season, I, I I've done prayer walks for years, but in this season, I've literally become like old man walking. Like I do it, I do it to uh, work through anxiety. I do it when I just need to process something in prayer, even, even writing for me, I feel like my best writing days come from being out praying, scribbling something on, on a you know note on my phone or something. So, uh, I'm, I'm laughing as you're talking cause I'm, I am literally like addicted to old man walks is, you know, what I call them tomorrow, tomorrow's Friday when we record this, uh, and Friday's like my morning where my wife gives me some space to go do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. The thing is too, that the more you're inside or the more you're on zoom or virtual or digital or whatever, the more you have to be forced and intentional to get outside and yeah. actually to, to create that's what I mean by margin is that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're setting up some rhythm that will force you to actually like get rejuvenated compared to a, you're just eight hours in a row of zoom calls. And then, and then you look, after, you look back after a couple of weeks and you, you, you're like, what has happened to me? You know, I'm yes. feeling, I'm feeling anxious and depressed and I'm, well, it's because you're, you're, you're not, you're not creating a rhythm right? That is going to be healthy. So let, well, let's stay right here for a second, because this this is what I think is brilliant about the way that you frame hustle. We have to get a right mindset around hustle that there, there is, there is no doubt hard work comes with the territory in ministry. No doubt. We have a responsibility. I, I kind of view us in ministry as as you know, Matthew 25 parable of the talents, we've been given an opportunity by God and by our pastors. And it's our job to make something of it. Like, like I am all in that mindset, but you frame it through the lens of, of margin and you frame it through the lens of that. And I think there's some leaders maybe comment on this. I think there's some leaders that need to not feel bad about building that margin into their life. I felt bad for a long time. And now I don't like if I, I need, I needed a morning two days ago. I, it, the, the, the weekend we had been cooped up inside with snow and it was busy and all that, like it finally cleared. I took the morning and I needed it and I initially felt bad and I kind of had to tell myself, do not feel bad about doing this right now. Like you need the headspace. Maybe just comment on that, like, like about the leader who would feel bad about building that margin into their life. Well, let me start with this, this, um, this reality what what we're what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that you redline your life and that you overextend and you're you're filled up to the brim. What I'm also not saying is that uh, you're you're lazy. Totally. There's a premise that I can sort of get away with it. And there's a lot of leaders who are now um, inappropriately saying, well, I'm just I'm just overextended and I need a Sabbath. I'm like, you've been leading for six weeks. You don't need a Sabbath. You, you need a good work, work ethic is what you need. Um, right. So 
there's both sides of this equation that have to be in balance. So the assumption is, the assumption when I say proper mindset of, of margin, rhythm, habit, rest, is that this leader tends to go the other way. Because that's me, and that's you. Like My tendency, if I'm not careful, is that I will, I will redline because I'm just wired that way. Like I'll, yep. I'll end up like, you know, like the boxer who gets knocked out and the boxer will not, the, the boxer doesn't look back at their coach and go, Hey, it's, it's the fourth round. I'm good. Like, let's go ahead and call it. No boxer has ever done that. Like they stay in until they just get knocked out. So you've got to start with that understanding, but you know, the key on this is that you, if, if you're in a, if you're, if you're a healthy leader who, um, who is, who is got, who is part of a healthy culture, then all of a sudden your ability to create your own economy is paramount. Meaning this, mm. that again, um, let's just say, you know, it's, it's somebody who's three levels down in the organization. Um, I want to be part of a culture that says to me, Hey, I'm going to let you decide. I'm going to let you decide and, but, we're, but I'm going to hold you accountable in, in terms of how you allow yourself to create the mm. best way for you to thrive. So this is, this is to the idea of, like you said, what you're feeling overwhelmed. It's a Friday or whatever. Then you have the, you have the freedom to be able to say, you know what, like I'm going to take the morning and I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go, you know, clear my head, whatever that is. And here's why that's, that why you have the option to do that is because now nobody looks at you and says, I'm, I'm suspicious that you're slacking off. Right. Right. Because that's a, that's a toxic culture or yep. you're just a, you're just the wrong leader because you look at that morning and go, I'm really not that overextended. I'm just sort of like, I just want to go play video games or whatever the situation is. So there's a balance here, but it, it has to, you have to think about this in terms of how do you create the best possible rhythm of your, of your world that allows you to, to flourish and thrive at your maximum capacity and output. And we're all wired differently. You know, Daniel Pink's book that's called when W H E N is a great resource on this. The, the idea that like there are certain people who are wired to do more in the morning. There are certain people who are wired to do more in the afternoon. There are certain people who they get the most done at night. There's certain people who by 10 o'clock they're, you know, they're done. Um, so some of this comes back to the way that you, that you even approach how you get work done, what the best time of the day is. And, and so rest, margin, Sabbath, rhythm, all that is, is crucial for you to actually get the most output. Um, and you're leading from, you're starting there. People, people ask the question, you know, do I, do I work in order to rest or do I rest in order to work? And you're starting with rest. You know, rest is the foundation that allows you to then be able to have the maximum output. You know, you're just going to be my new best friend because I love that book when, and no one's ever heard of it. Somebody ought to go, ought to go get that book. It's, it, it, it helped me a lot a couple of years ago. Gives you permission to be able to, again, to have the ability to, 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 to create the best schedule yes. for you to thrive the most. And when, when we have, when we have, um, when we have agency to actually create our own economy, wherever we are in the organization, man, that's when people come alive. 
Yep. But a lot of organizations don't allow that either because they're they're too hierarchical or they're they don't have the right people on the bus. Because people yep. who are not right on the who shouldn't be on that bus will take advantage of that. The right person won't though. Yep. In your book, um, you, you, so we're we're on this this idea right now of rhythm and and margin. You, you say the line that I think is so brilliant: leadership is more than hard work; it's habitual work. So let's talk right now, 2021, COVID season, all the things going on. Could you identify for us, I guess, play, play advisor or coach for a second, um, a habit or a rhythm or two be, beyond what we've already talked about that you think would serve some leaders in the middle well right now in this season? Well, the biggest thing is, is change and, and adaptability. So mm. that's been the theme for the last year. So your job, your job in terms of, of the habit you have to put in place is that you're the chief innovation officer now. That you need to put that on your on your LinkedIn profile or wherever you want to put it. You know, because it's true. Like you're gonna see things and you're gonna be closer to things that actually allow you then to give ideas on how to change things. So what you're not is you're not just putting your head in the sand and saying, I hope we survive. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the wrong habit to put in place, which is is it's a protectionist mindset. It's it's you know let's just get through this. Let's get back to normal. Your your habit now needs to be you're looking, you are searching for new ways, new ideas, new thinking, new innovations to to then stir up or push up or you know bring into the organization, and that's a that's a different mindset. It's, it's a, it's a new habit you have to form. And this is like, you know, if you're in the middle, then, um, you need to be thinking, what are the pain points we have? Where are we, where are we, where are we seeing the most, um, the most tension? Cause out of tension, actually there's opportunity out of, yep. out of the places that need the most change, there's actually the most opportunity. So, and when you find those, then all of a sudden, again, your role is now to bring solutions to the table. Um, so think, think of, again, think of a very practical example, um, kids ministry in the season of COVID. Mm. It's really hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard. So if you're the kids minister at your church, children's ministry director, family ministry director, your job to in leading up and actually like being a, a an effective employee and, and being a, a, a great part of the team, go find solutions. Don't, don't wait on whoever's above you to say, well, this is what we're going to do. Your job is to now like bring, bring uh, creative solutions to the table. Um, and this is true at every level now in the organization because everybody's trying to deal with change right now. And it's the hardest thing because we don't like it because <laughs> it makes, it, it puts more stuff on our job description. Right, it, right. it adds more work to the plate. Um, but this is the, I, I think it's the greatest value you can bring right now and probably will be still be true for the next, I don't know, eight to 12 months at least. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's true. When you, you talk about change, which to me also um, speaks to something that I think a lot of leaders in this season right now are experiencing, which is hesitancy. We just, it's hard to make decisions. We have decision fatigue and then we just don't know where things are going to be in six months and in a year. And any any event or program that needs any runway 
to launch, it's, 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 it's like you just feel this paralysis. So here's my question for you. I, I, I'm totally with you that our job is to stay hungry. And, but I think it's a little bit hard to stay hungry right now when there's so much hesitancy. Uh, how, what would you say to that? The, the, the leader who is, is, is feeling like their hunger is going away, you know, lukewarmness creeping in just simply not, not, not even because they don't love Jesus or love ministry. We're, we're just, we're just in such a, a unique hesitant time right now. How do we keep our hunger alive? Well, yeah, I mean, it is true. And so here, here's where, here's where, again, I think there, the silver lining is is blame it on COVID. I mean, truly, like go, go try things, go risk stuff. And don't be, don't, don't pay dumb tax on risk right now. Cause that's, that's going to make you stand out, but go try stuff that is, that you've always wanted to try because never before have we had the ability to have such a big excuse for why it doesn't work. And I'm saying that somewhat cynically or sarcastically, but it's actually true that in times of great, of great turmoil, risk is actually the, 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 um, the, the other side of risk is less meaning that, you know, you will, you will, you will not be seen as somebody who is, um, who is now a nuisance. And, and whenever the elders or the board or whoever they is get together, they go, well, listen, Brandon, I mean, I've never seen him bring so many new ideas to the table that are sideways energy. No, like, now that might be true most of the time, but right now, try it out, test it, um, keep throwing stuff on the, on the wall, you know, keep, keep the whiteboard close and let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And, and here's why that's true. Or here's why I think that's the better posture is you may be tired. You may feel like you're exhausted or whatever the situation is, but your customer is looking at you saying, would you please get on, on, on the right page and meet me where I am? Mm. Right. Mm. The yep. customer, that's the goal here. Like, and that's, that's business language, but it's still kingdom language. You know, the customer that's, that's showing up in part of our houses that the congregation member, they want us to be innovative. They want us to figure out how do we make this work in our home? What they don't want is they don't want us to be the kind of leader that says, well, um, we've done it this way forever. So you don't like it, go somewhere else. Because that's what they're doing. They, they're, they're tired of watching the same expression of digital church that you were doing a year ago. And not that that's wrong, but like you have to have the customer in mind. Otherwise, we're, we end up doing all this stuff because it feels like busy work and we're not actually impacting our, our end customer, our end client. Yeah. I love it. The, 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 the courage to try something out. So, okay. We're, we're going to land the plane here in a second. I always love though, to tuck like a, a spicy question toward the end of an interview. I figure if someone is still listening 35 or 40 minutes in, they probably, Thanks for that. You're still here. <laughs> yeah. I, many have disconnected by now. So, uh, you're, you, they're on mile four of their run <laughs> there. You're still here. You're still listening. So 
Uh, I just want to hear your perspective on this one uh, before we go today. I feel like for, for various reasons, we just see, um, we see so many people disconnecting from church, you know, a, a certain percentage of them will, will just be gone now. Um, a certain percentage of them are probably some, some version of apathetic or, or their home for, for safety reasons or whatnot, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of with us, kind of not, you know, it's, there's just a variety of things, but we, we see, a, a, especially on social media, the tenor of it has really changed. I feel, you know, toward gatherings and church gatherings and, and, and all that. So it's just not an easy time to be championing that, but I am, I am just a firm believer, Brad, that Psalm 92, 13 planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Like that had no COVID preface to it. You know, it's, 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 it's the word of God and the promise of God over our lives and the ecosystem out of which we can flourish as believers. So can you just speak to, you know, you're, you're someone, you're, you're a local church guy. Can you just speak to your experience of being planted in church and why it's just important that we keep roots in God's house in, in this season when it feels like so much is uprooting and so many people are uprooting? Could you just speak to that for a minute? Well, and I'll speak to the believer, which is you and I, and then I'll yep. speak to the, to the, I, the question of, of why are people you know, not showing up at church as much, the the non-believer, but to the believer, like, um, we need community period. And we need a local expression. This is biblical. Um, and I, I run in the, in the, I run in the, in the circles with a lot of, um, speakers, artists, entertainers, musicians, vocalists. And they say, well, you know, I get, I get my community from my friends. No. That, that's not good enough. And, and this nope. is why I'm, I'm really like bullish on saying to my friends, if you're not planted somewhere locally, yep. then this is a problem. And at some point it's going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to rear its ugly head because you're going to be calling one of us and saying, Hey, um, my marriage is over or my ministry's done, or I did something really stupid. And the reason that, that being planted is so important is because we're not that good. We're just not. Like we, we need local expression, community. We need to be able to, to worship with people. We need to show up and serve. I mean, this is my thing. If you're not serving, you're not planted. So don't be a consumer. Don't just show up and, and, and you know, take in. Like show up and actually produce. Yep. Be part of the be part of the of the the team. I mean, I was telling you earlier, like I've never been on staff at a church, but I promise you, when I'm in a local body, they walk around. I walk around like I'm in charge. I walk around like I've got the 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 key card. You know, I walk around like I've got the keys. I, people will say to me, "Hey, are you a pastor?" Yes, and they <laughs> say, "Well, where do you you know are you on staff?" Well, how do you define that? Because we all should be seeing ourselves as, as carriers, you know, of that local house. So yes. I'll leave yes. that there. The other side is that why, you know, why are people not coming to church or, or why are so many who were nominal leaving the church? And I think, again, it goes back to that. There's something um, that there's some, there's something we're not connecting to. That's a pain point for people in culture in general that we need to reestablish and we need to investigate on why that's not true. 
Um, but, but here's what's not happening is they're not losing their interest in spiritual conversations. So you take right. something like Alpha, just as one example, Brandon, and Alpha globally has exploded the last year. It's not because all of a sudden, you know, they changed the model of Alpha. It's because people are really curious about spiritual conversations. Yes. They're, they're yes. willing to lean in to have a conversation and ask questions. And so part of our posture, I think, and, you know, this is a, we could unpack this for, for hours, but part of our posture has to change from that we're the, we're the experts, because we are, but now we're, we're showing up as, as a listening, interested, curious friend. And just that change of posture, I think, will allow us to like see some people who might start to look at our church or our gathering and say, okay, I can, I can hang out with those folks for a while. Um, and, you know, that's, again, that's such a surfacey level answer to a big, really big, deep issue. Um, but we've, we've got we've to move from, from, from this idea that we have all the answers to now we're the best question askers. Yep. You're no, you're just exactly right though, because Jesus gives us multiple pictures of the church and the kingdom of God in even in his own teaching. And and we're we're so used to being the the light of the world and the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're we're used to that mode, you know, but then we're also described as the yeast that makes its way through the dough. And that's very, that's very under the surface. That's very hidden. It's potent, but it's, it's unseen. Salt is unseen, you know, on a dish. Uh, so we're, we're not used, I don't think in our, in our last 20 years, we're not used to that version of it. We're, we're, we're used to city on a hill, but I just wonder right now, like what is God driving deep into the fabric of, of our nation that we can't even see yet, but like yeast through the dough, the kingdom of God, make no mistake is advancing in this season. It's just happening completely differently than our models ever told us. It's going to be the priesthood of all believers. I'm telling you. Absolutely. We, we have to change even the way we see um, our congregation. You know, the, the thousand people who show up that now has turned into 400, but really there's probably 2000 that at some point, you know, are feel like they're connected to you. But now we're just, we're all depressed because we're looking at the 400, man. My, my thing is no, look at the 2000 yep. and say to that 2000, we're going to shift everything to equipping you. We could care less about the gathering. I mean, it's still important. It's still, it's still vital. Yes. We yes. know that, that we have 2000 members of our army, our local army for the kingdom that are going to go out and make a difference in our community. That, that, and that's, that's where I think those people say, man, you're now like giving me a, a you're giving me an assignment. Yeah. Compared to that. I just feel like I'm supposed to show up on Sunday at, 1030 and I'm supposed to sit in that seat and I'm supposed to like go through the motions of what you've created, which again, nothing wrong with that, but that, that's not the, that's not the ultimate end goal anymore. Um, It has to, we have to shift our mind to what, how am I sending that, that, you know, VP of corporate development at that company and that they're going to walk in on Monday and feel like they're, they have a, they have a kingdom assignment as part of a local house expression. I love it. Well, man, I have, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you today. This is, this has built me up. 
uh, you've refreshed me. So if, if nothing else, if nothing else, this podcast was for me today. So they, thank you so much. And I, I believe there's been some wisdom shared that a lot of leaders needed to hear really, really honor you and respect you. Um, last question and we'll, we'll be done. Um, but I just want to hear you bleed your heart for a minute. What is your greatest prayer for the local church in this season that we're in? Yeah, I love the question. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think one thing that we should be praying and that hopefully is, is part of our expression is that, um, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And, you know, the idea <laughs> that the church, the local body can be expressive. We, we can celebrate, we can worship together. We can be, um, we can be compassionate. We can have, uh, we can have a heart of justice. Um, we can be unifiers in our community. We, we can be, we can be biblically based and gospel centered. Um, we, we can, we can disciple people. Yep. We can have the greatest evangelism strategy and bring people in who are far from God. Like that's doable. But for so long, we've sort of said, okay, choose one. Totally. So the new prayer for me is that the, the, the true biblical expression of the church would, would come alive again. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's remnants, and, and there are lots of there churches. Is. There, there are is. thousands of churches around the country who, who look like that. The, the challenge is we don't hear about them because they're not showing up like looking for the attention. Yep. They're just doing the work. So, you know, that's my prayer is that we'll have hundreds of thousands of churches that have that mindset, that expression, that posture. Um, and, you know, the church is going to advance, man. The, the kingdom of God will prevail. So we've, we've won the battle. It's, it's, uh, it's now just making sure that we get back to what that looks like. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself and, and we'll leave it there. Thank you so much, Brad. Appreciate you being on today. God bless you. Love being on. For more information, check out LeadingSecond.com, follow us on Instagram at LeadingSecond, and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.